Uh, we're gonna, it's our year of a discipleship focus. That should be the focus every year, but it's the focus for 2024. And so we're starting with a series called, I Have Decided. I Have Decided. Maybe you remember the old hymn, I Have Decided. When I got baptised 22 years ago at Castle Point Beach, uh, yes, that's right. Six of us know where that is. Uh, I didn't go for the lighthouse walk. I went for the surf, but came back a follower of Jesus. And so I remember the, and they sung this hymn as I came out of the water. I'm not gonna sing it. I'm not gonna sing it. We'll sing it at the end. We're not, I'm not, I'm not. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. That will not bless anyone except the Lord, Okay because he only listens to the heart. He's tone deaf, Jesus, thankfully, for, for those of us like myself. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. All of us arrive at our current physical size and age without any intention, more or less. You're born a little baby, as long as your parents were caregivers, as long as they fed you and loved you, you were gonna grow physically without any intention, without any effort, without any willpower, you didn't even need any disciplines, habits or practices. You started as a little baby and you started putting on weight. Some people have tried to figure out how to get that to stop. A little bit more difficult. But you grew and you went from a little baby to a toddler and you went from a toddler to a preschooler and you went to school and you kept growing and then you hit puberty and all sorts of weird stuff happens. And then you keep growing and you become a mature adult body physically without any effort, intention or will. It's a shame it doesn't happen that way for the other parts of our being. It's a shame that we don't grow by default emotionally or we don't grow relationally, or we don't grow 
spiritually or mentally by default, while we grow physically by default, all the other areas require willpower, intention, effort, rhythms, practices, routines, rituals, habits. And one of the great, I guess, sort of fallacies that we can end up believing is that just because we decided to follow Jesus, put our hand up, maybe got saved, got baptized, whatever it is, however it happened to you, and if we just maybe keep attending church, one of the fallacies we can believe, one of the lies we can believe of, is if we just do that, we will mature, we'll grow to mature spiritually. But it's just not the case. This doesn't happen by default. And so I enter this year, I don't know about you, I hope you enter this year with a similar sort of idea or temperament. I enter this year just like, I wanna keep growing spiritually. I wanna keep maturing spiritually. I wanna keep getting stronger spiritually, but I know that it won't happen by default. And I'd imagine probably every person here, if you've had some time to reflect on the year, not everyone sets goals and here's some news, not everyone has to. You know, you can set values. You can set nothing if you wanna be that type of person too. But I'd imagine we all sort of come here today, turn up for the first gatherings of the year because you wanna grow spiritually. You wanna look back in 12 months time and be like, I'm a bit stronger in the Lord some more Jesus responses come out of me than what came out of me a year ago. You may even catch yourself off guard. Oh, I was actually quite loving then. (laughs) Bit more forgiveness flowing from you, bit more mercy flowing from you, bit more compassion flowing from you, bit more peace residing in you, bit more joy bubbling up. I'm sure we all want that. So what's the difference between the people who will arrive at the end of this year, a little bit more like Jesus, and the people who won't. I believe it's this one single thing. It's those who will posture themselves as disciples. Those who will posture themselves as disciples, as intentional followers of Jesus. Not just fans of Jesus, not just groupies of Jesus, not just people who attend Jesus meetups on a Sunday, but people who posture themselves as much as they can remind themselves to as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, a, a more modern word perhaps for disciple, our best sort of correlation, an apprentice of Jesus. Teach me Jesus. Show me Jesus. Train me Jesus. Work me, Jesus. Correct me, Jesus. A disciple of Jesus. I saw in the, the paper, um, not the physical one, I uh, don't know where those are anymore, but you know, in the digital version of the news um, the other day, and I just want to comment for any of the people that read stuff, I hate the new stuff layout. Ah, uh, yes, can I get an amen? Uh, I've just stopped using it anyway. Um, so... 
I saw in the news, and I think it was the Sun Live article, in fact, and, you know, there's the water world thing that's been down over in Tauranga on the Strand. There's all the blow-up, like, thing, gauntlet, whatever you call it. And I saw an article of a mother who was petrified and was complaining because her child had fallen off and she wasn't aware, for whatever reason, um, that there were currents there. You know, it's in the harbour, a lot of water flows through there. And so her child had fallen off and got swept uh, under some of the, you know, the things. And the child's fine, thankfully, but she was mortified that she wasn't warned of the currents. The currents. We're not going to judge her, because we can understand that's, that's, that's terrifying. Warned of the currents. I feel like I was a little bit like that mother when it comes to life. Nobody warned me of the currents. Like I thought when I became a follower of Jesus that I was living in more or less a neutral world. You know, as long as I wasn't being like actively bad, I was more or less in a good and conducive environment to becoming a follower of Jesus. And if I wasn't pursuing bad, then I was probably good. And from that place, God could grow me and we could go on a journey together of discipleship. Anyone believe that? You know? But nobody warned me of the currents. Nobody warned me that actually from the moment I was born, I've been being formed. And therefore, the question for 2024 is not, will you be formed spiritually, but just how will you be formed? Because we live in currents. It's not whether or not you will grow spiritually, it's in which direction or shape you'll grow spiritually, because everything's spiritual. And this is the whole understanding of human development. I know that you probably weren't going to get there, but Re- Rebecca Thomas, you'll appreciate Bronfenbrenner's uh, ecological systems theory. The rest of you are like, <laughs> Widely accepted human development theory that understands that we are products to a huge extent of our environment, of our families, of our friendships of our peers, of our media, of our culture, these things are constantly trying to shape us. So if we have a year of discipleship and we want to posture ourselves freshly as disciples of Jesus so we might mature in Christ, we need to understand we don't enter this year a neutral environment, but a current that's going to form us. You will be formed you will become a slightly different person than you are today by the end of the year. The question is, is whether or not it will be a more Jesus type of person. It's not whether or not you'll be formed this year, but by whom and how. It's not whether or not you're following somebody. Everybody's following someone or something or some collection of philosophies, whether you can name them or realize them or not. We're in the current. And my invitation, I think Jesus' invitation to us is how do you step from that current into the current of His grace, into the current of His tutelage, into the current of Him as the teacher. This is the invitation of discipleship. And look, Jesus never gave an altar call. Jesus only asked people to come follow Him. Jesus never asked the question, Hey, who wants to get saved here today? He asked, who wants to be my disciple? And this is what I want us 
to get. This is what I want us to understand that if we're going to be disciples, we need to restore a picture of Jesus that is a rabbi or a teacher or a master sensei or however you want to say it in some karate kid sort of way. Jesus is a rabbi. But yes, he's more than a rabbi. He's the son of God. He's the eternal word of God. Everything that was and is was created through him. He sits at the right hand of the father. He's so much more than a rabbi, but he is not less than a rabbi. And primarily when his first disciples, when his first followers interacted with him, they didn't understand he was the son of God. They didn't understand yet that he was the Messiah, but they did understand that he was a rabbi because he lived and he acted and he worked and he taught like a rabbi. And I think sometimes the church has forgotten that Jesus is a rabbi. When Jesus goes, hey, the thief has come to kill, steal and destroy, but I have come that they might have a rich and satisfying life. He's trying to say, I've got a way of living in me that if you'd learn it, oh, it's rich and satisfying. He's not saying become my fan. He's saying become my follower. Or we, I love this verse. It's got to be one of my most favorite verses. I'm going to read it out of the message version, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? I hope you're not already at the start of the year. Burnt out on religion? Come to me, Jesus said. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus' invitation to us is to see him as somebody who has something to teach us so that we might posture ourselves as his student, as his apprentice, as his follower. I don't know about you, I want what Jesus has. I read like Psalm 23 and it goes like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm like, oh, I want the life of that sort of contentment. Oh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he, he sits me beside still waters. I'm like, oh, that feels good. That sounds good. I want that life, Jesus. And in that place, he restores my soul. Oh God, restore my soul. Oh, even in the toughest times, in the valleys of the shadow of death, He's with me, He protects me, He comforts me. Oh, I want that. I need that. Oh, and then He's got that table and it's fully spread. It's full of abundance. He's got a seat there just for me. In the presence of all of the dysfunction of life, He's got a seat just for me. The table's overflowing with goodness. My cup is filled to the brim and more. He's anointing my head with oil. His goodness and mercy is chasing me down every day of my life. I want that. And that is available to every single one of us in 2024. And Jesus is available to teach us how to enter that life. His grace has made it possible. His sacrifice has paved the way. We can come to Him and go, teacher, show me how to enter this rich and satisfying life. 
Teach me how to let the Lord be my shepherd. Teach me how to walk with you and sit with you and be with you that I might enter in this life and the life to come all that you have for me. I wanna tell you it's possible. It's possible this year in your discipleship journey to conquer that sin you've been battling with. It's possible this year to get victory in that area you haven't got victory in yet. It's possible this year for Jesus to come and transform you into a different person so those situations that stress you out, you're gonna have peace in those situations as you learn the way of Jesus in them. It's possible in the struggles of life where you feel like joy evaporates through your fingers to learn the way of Jesus and have joy even in the midst of troubles. It's possible. I want you to believe it's possible and Jesus is available this year for to teach you how to enter that kind of life. But you gotta posture yourself as a disciple. Here's the thing. We use the term Christian a lot. Christian. It's only used in the Bible three times. And all three times, it's not from Christians naming themselves Christians. It's from other people looking at the way disciples lived and going, oh, those annoying little Jesus people. They look so much like Jesus. They remind us of Jesus. But it's interesting in our day and age, we've really grabbed onto this sort of noun or naming word. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't know if Kiwis do it like that. We're less, you know, I'm a Christian. <clears throat> Maybe more like that. <clears throat> Sometimes I'm like, please don't ask me what I do uh, for a job, please. But, um, but in the Scriptures, disciple is used 271 times, let alone however many times the word follower is used. Christ, early Christians would refer to themselves either as disciples of Jesus or followers of the way, being the way of Jesus. And I think this is really important because if we think of ourselves as Christians, Christians can be quite a passive thing. Yeah, I signed up for the club years ago. Yeah, I put my hand up, I prayed the prayer, I did the donkey thing in the water, baptism, it was a whole hoopla. Yeah, I used to be really on fire, but I'm still a Christian. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But disciple is a lot more of a challenging word to use. Because disciples like, am I a disciple of Jesus today? Have I submitted myself to his tutelage? Have I surrendered myself to his grace? Have I considered how he might see the situation, this person, the circumstance? Asking am I a disciple, it's a bit more confronting, but in the best kind of confronting way the way that doesn't leave us in the illusion that being a fan is what Jesus had in mind. But he always had in mind being a follower because he always had in mind not that we'd be a part of some holy club or not that we'd just go to church on Sunday, but that we'd enter the rich and satisfying life for which he came to give us. And somehow we'd enter it even in the dysfunctions of our broken world. 
And we'd get more and more glimpses of his goodness. And we'd know more and more the depths of his love for us. So if we're going to posture ourselves as disciples this year, you've got to see Jesus as a rabbi. You see him as the master, the teacher, the kung fu master. A.W. Tozer, famous preacher and writer, said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You know, some of us, we see Jesus as our friend. It's great, makes us feel familiar with him. Some of us primarily see Jesus as a king. It's great, it makes us being willing to serve him. Some of us primarily see Jesus as saviour. That's great, it makes us feel deep gratitude for what he's done for us. But don't forget, he's also a rabbi. Because how you see him determines how you follow him, how you live for him. And so let's read that Matthew verse again, just in a different translation. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. He's not talking about egg. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The Lord wants you to learn to live freely and lightly. He wants you to learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. But I'll just be real honest, it doesn't happen because you got baptized at one point. It doesn't happen. As significant as important as it is, I'm not downplaying it. It's just, it's the gate. It's not the path. As, as great as it is that you grew up in church, as great as it is that you come on Sunday, these things by themselves, they have the ability to support the life of the disciple, but they are not the discipleship life in themselves. And so when Jesus says, if you want to find the life that I have come to give, take my yoke upon you, what does he mean by yoke? This is like, this is a picture, an old farming picture before they had tractors and they would have big animals, they would have strong oxes and they would plow in pairs and they would normally team up an older ox with a younger ox to train it. The, the, the human couldn't train it, but the older ox could train it and so they would bind the two oxes together. That's called the yoke and it would go over their necks and shoulders and would bind them both together. And then you'd have the ropes and the plow coming off the back. And then you'd have the person behind the plow steering the plow. And what would happen is the older ox, because it was bound to the younger ox, the younger ox learnt the countenance, learnt the posture, learnt the position, learnt the step spacing, learn to not run ahead, learn not to slow down too much because if they got out of step, the yoke would pull and tear and rub in all of these uncomfortable ways and through the yoke, learn to find the good way to do the job well in a rich and satisfying way. So when Jesus says, you want to enter this life, take my yoke upon you, a rabbi's yoke was a few things. A rabbi's yoke was a way of interpreting the Scriptures. You don't get to interpret them the way you want. You say Jesus, and you learn about how Jesus interpreted the Scriptures. 
Take that yoke upon you. That's where there's life. A, a rabbi had a way of interpreting God's role within the world in current events. So we look at the situations of this world and we don't speculate and we don't come up with theories. We ask the Lord to reveal to us how are you moving and acting through these circumstances in the world. Rabbis had ways of doing that. Rabbis had teachings that you would learn. Rabbis had a way of living that honoured God. They kept certain practices. We see Jesus going to the mountaintop to pray. We see Jesus ministering to people. We see all these things. Rabbis had a way of ministering to people. They had their own way, just like different people and different, you know, different preachers go about it different way. Rabbis had different ways of ministering to people, of caring for the sick, of praying for healing, of whatever it is. And so Jesus' invitation to you this year is to take his yoke his way of seeing the scriptures, his way of seeing the world, his way of seeing people, his, way, his teachings, his way of living and his way of ministering to people. And he's saying, come and learn from me and you'll find life. Come and learn from me and you'll be a part of my kingdom work. Come and learn from me and you'll recover your life, find rest for your souls. You'll learn these unforced rhythms of grace and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who doesn't want that? Jesus, if that is what you are offering, I humbly come to you and say, teach me, O oh wise one. Teach me how to be human. Teach me how to be Joel. Teach me how to be dad. Teach me how to be husband. Teach me how to be friend. Teach me how to be random person at the supermarket. Teach me how to work. Teach me to pastor. Teach me to be as you would be. Teach me. And so discipleship, the, the cool thing about this is that it, it makes discipleship so much more than your quiet time. You can have, it normally doesn't happen that way because it's like a keystone habit, but you can have awesome quiet times and be very disciplined and regular and not become more like Jesus. Because the point of being a disciple is not just learning to spend time with God, it's also learning to live like God in the world. It's learning to respond like God. It's learning to become like Him in all of our ways. And so the goal is not, you haven't mastered Christianity if you've mastered a quiet time each day. That's just a part of discipleship, learning to abide in Him. I think of it, you could, I think we've got three ways here that pretty much I think, if you're thinking of your discipleship journey this year, I want you to just not just think, how do I have a better quiet time with God? I want you to think about these three parts of your life. This pretty much sums up all of life. How do you grow and become more like Jesus in the way you abide in your relationship with God? Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Like a vine staying connected to the, the trunk, we stay connected to the Lord. And so we all have an abiding life. And our spiritual practices are a big part of our abiding life. Our silence, our solitude, our rest with the Lord, our Bible reading, our prayer, our fasting. These are ways of practicing abiding, okay? And so Jesus abided. 
He was always abiding, and so we need to learn to abide. So maybe the Lord is really inviting you this year to think about how can you grow in your abiding. But there's also our relating life. This is the way we treat everyone that we come into interaction with. It sums up a lot of our lives. It's parenting, it's marriage, it's friendship, it's flatting, it's, it's working relationships, it's all of that. Jesus had a way of relating. I don't know if you notice, he gets interrupted a lot, but not often frustrated. Teach me how to do that, Jesus. Teach me how to just surrender to you and how you're at work in this world. I don't know if you notice, but there were people that treated him really poorly, but he had compassion and mercy on them. Teach me to do that, Jesus. There's people that really wronged Jesus and disappointed him. He forgave them freely. Teach me to do that, Jesus. And then there's our working life. We spend so many of our hours working, sometimes unpaid work, sometimes paid work. Teach me to do that for you, Jesus, as the Scriptures say. Work as if you work unto the Lord. And so loving God, loving others, and doing God's work in this world is part of our discipleship journey, and I want to invite you into it this year. I think the good news about seeing discipleship, seeing Jesus as a rabbi for life, seeing discipleship as all of life, is it gives you opportunity to practice it every day and every moment to start again, to start afresh. It makes every moment holy. It makes everything an opportunity to grow in the Lord. And I think that's part of being a disciple, following our rabbi Jesus this year. But how do you do it in a way that actually goes the distance this year? Have you, ever, have you ever started the year? We probably already have this. You had a goal, you had a habit, you already haven't kept up with it. Anyone got that? I, I've got one of those, okay? Full, full disclosure. I was like, this year I'm going to work out three times a week. That's what I'm going to do. I haven't managed to get past two. I just want to, like we're only three weeks into the year, I haven't even kept my own habit. If I work out today, I will get to three times this week for the first time. And I'm going to do it. I, I mean, the alarm went off this morning. I looked at Katie. I'm like, should we do our workout? She's like, eh. <laughs> so I blame her mainly. Um, <laughs> so what's the difference between, because no doubt you're feeling even just as I've been speaking, my hope has been that the Spirit maybe is just prompting you with one or two things to pay attention to this year. Maybe it is like, actually, you could be more disciplined with your time with me. Maybe that's what the Spirit's been saying to you, really kindly like that, you know? Maybe just linger with me a little bit longer and don't be so rushy. Maybe that's something the Spirit's just been prompting you with. Or maybe the Spirit's been talking to you about how you are in your marriage or how you are at work or something, and, and He's sort of been like, hey, actually, I've got something to teach you in this area. Would you learn it with me? I don't know what it is, but what's the difference between getting to the end of year having kept your attention on that thing and not? I think it's just one thing. It's really easy. It's just share that thing with somebody else. There's such power in getting a spiritual friend together or getting your small group together or just in your family or whatever it is and be like, I really feel like the Lord wants to teach me about this this year. And so I'm gonna keep this habit could we chat about it as the year goes on? Could you ask me about it? 
And you could do the same for that person. I try, because I promise you, you're going to have weeks where you don't do it well. You're going to have weeks where you fall off the wagon. This, this happens. This is life. This is to be human. But there's something about having somebody that you know loves you, just be like, how's your times with the Lord going this year? That just gets you back on track, just the question, and just reminds you. And so I encourage you, whatever it is that you feel like the Lord is putting on your spirit for discipleship this year, can you share it with somebody so that you can walk it out together? And I'll just finish with this. I found it on... uh, I was reading a book, The Source is Anonymous. Nobody knows where it came from, but it was found on the wall of an African pastor. I'm a part of the fellowship of unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence. I lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labour by love. My face is set. My pace is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few, but my guide reliable and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, I won't shut up, I won't let up or burn up till I've preached up prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till He comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows. And when He comes to get His own, He'll have no problems recognising me. My colours will be clear.